Welcome to the 100th podcast episode of the Girl About the Globe podcast. I can't believe I'm saying that. In this episode, I'm actually doing something a little bit different and I'm going to be answering your questions on solo travel. I'm going to share my personal experience of my solo travels to 109 different countries and it also gives some tips and advice to empower you to travel solo. If you're unsure if you can solo travel or you have any questions about doing it, this podcast episode is for you. Stay tuned. Welcome to Girl About the Globe, a podcast for you as a solo female traveller, empowering women to travel solo with maximum adventure, minimum impact. So first of all, I want to say thank you so much if you've been following the podcast. I started this during the pandemic in April 2020 and it's now December 2022 and it's the number one solo female travel podcast. So thank you so much for your encouragement and your feedback and you are the reason why I keep recording this podcast. So for this episode, I'm doing something a little bit different as I just mentioned. I asked for your questions on solo travel and I'm going to be answering them in this episode. So the first question is, is solo travel boring? And in answer to this one, I say it's as boring as you want it to be. If you want to stay in and you don't want to interact with anybody, then solo travel is perfect. But when you're traveling solo, from my personal experience of the majority of the destinations that I've been to, you meet more people than you ever would if you're traveling in a couple or with a friend or in a group. I do think that being alone makes you much more approachable to different people and you may even attract some admiring glances from those who wish they were traveling solo as well. When I first started solo traveling I was so shy in my 20s but now I don't even think twice about walking into a room and just striking up a conversation with anybody. I honestly just talk to anybody and it's really led to some great experiences on the road. Obviously, not everyone you speak to wants to interact with you. And I always find that relationships on the road have their own sense of time. So, for example, a day spent with somebody new can feel like the equivalent of a week with somebody that you spend at home. And I do find that you attract like-minded people when you travel too. After all, everyone's on the same path of discovery, whether it's to discover the world or discover themselves. So solo travel really is as boring as you want it to be. Next question, is solo travel safe? This is kind of a tricky one because yes, it is, but you still need to be vigilant and you still need to have your wits about you. I always walk around with an air of confidence, even if I don't feel it. And I think that is the reason that I've never been attacked or mugged. And it's because I believe that I, I look confident. I mean, don't get me wrong, there have been a couple of sticky situations that I've been in, but technically nothing bad has ever happened to me, even though there's been a potential to. I'm generally very cautious when I travel solo, especially when it comes to going out in the evening. I try to never walk anywhere alone at night unless it's a really safe country like Dubai, for example, which is where I've chosen to live now. So I always think that planning and doing a bit of research about the place that you're traveling to really does help in regards to safety. I do think as well that if you dress modestly and respect the culture, you have a more comfortable time and you're not attracting trouble. 
And unfortunately, in some countries in the world, attitudes to women aren't necessarily what we would like. So I do believe it's important to cover up and not to dress provocatively in certain countries so that we draw less attention to ourselves. And I know that we should be free to wear whatever we want, but in some societies, they are less accepting of this. So I must admit, I do cover up as much as I can. I don't mean shoulders and head covered. I basically mean dressing respectfully. And if I'm by myself and I'm going to an emerging destination or a country that's known for poverty, then I do dress down. I don't wear any makeup. I normally tie my hair back and I wear old clothes because I don't want to attract any more attention to myself than what I do traveling as a a white blonde woman. Leading on from this question, the next one is, why do you think women around the world fear to travel? I think a lot of that fear is instilled in us by the media. I've been in countries where the news reporting has said that the whole country is kind of on high alert, whereas in actual fact, it's only been the capital or a small region of that country that that I needed to avoid. So don't follow the media. Have a look at the Foreign Office Advice website. And just check for what areas you should avoid. That's the first thing is media and how a specific place is portrayed. Don't forget as well that the media's job is to talk about negative things that are happening in the country. They're not going to tell you the positive things that are happening around the world generally. So don't believe everything that you read in the paper and everything that you see on TV. I also think that the unknown is scary for people not really knowing what a country is like, maybe not knowing anyone else who's been there solo. That's why the Girls About the Globe Facebook community is a great community because you can find people who have generally been to where you're going to solo. And also look at, obviously, the Girl About the Globe blog because I'm adding more destinations that I've been to solo as well. I think that also gives you a little bit of reassurance and takes away that fear if you know what to expect. Another reason is the fear of not meeting anyone. But you will meet people. I've hardly ever not met anybody in any country that I've been to. There's also the fear, I think, of something bad happening and the fear of you not being able to handle it alone. Something that I've realised during my two decades plus of solo travel is how resilient I am and how strong I am. And I think that's my biggest lesson from solo travel is just realizing that I can handle things. And I think that builds your confidence and it builds your self-esteem. It teaches you to problem solve and to think on the spot, depending on where you go and what experience and challenge you want. Obviously, if you go solo cruising or if you go and stay in an all-inclusive resort by yourself, it's not necessarily as challenging as independent travel across Brazil, for example, with a backpack. But each time you solo travel, it does build your self-esteem. I also believe that when you travel alone, you find that your instinct is heightened. So when I've been with other people, I've been engrossed in a conversation with someone else and not really aware of what's going on around me or paying too much attention to others. Whereas when I'm by myself, I am so vigilant. I'm so aware of my surroundings because there's nothing else to distract me. So I do people watch and I observe my environment more. And it's actually been able to help me spot any potential 
negative situations that I haven't wanted to get into and I've been able to avoid any unsavory characters because my instinct is so heightened. Next question. Do I think that solo travel has changed? Yes. <laughs> I've been solo traveling for the last 20 plus years. I've been blogging about solo female travel for the last 10 years. It's changed so much in that time. I do think the world has opened up a lot more. Travel's definitely become easier because of the internet, having phones. When I first used to travel, there were no phones around. You had to go to a phone box and buy an international phone card to phone people. You had to go to an internet cafe to get on the internet. Nowadays, the world is so much more accessible. That has definitely changed. I also think that the style of travel has changed. So there are a lot more tour companies catering to solo female travellers, for example, and solo female travellers that have a specific hobby. You can go on singing holidays, you can go on dancing holidays, you can go and do cultural things with women, you can go and do wellness retreats with other women. It's really diverse, the amount of different activities you can now do in regards to solo travel. And wellness has definitely boomed, which I think is so important anyway in this day and age, especially in this technological day and age where we really do need to switch off and have a digital detox. I also think the amount of women who are traveling has changed. It's boomed. There are so many travel blogs now for solo female travel. There are dedicated dorms to female travel. There are tours for women traveling alone. It's, it's amazing how much has changed and the choice is just unbelievable. So next one, what are some ways we can change our mindset through travel? I think the biggest takeaway is being open-minded. You really need to take each day as it comes when you travel by yourself and live in the present and not sweat the small stuff. So five-minute delay on a train is nothing when you've experienced a bus that broke down the week before. It really teaches you to be in the moment and I've feel as though it kind of slows down time when I travel solo. I've noticed that recently because I'm now in a routine having moved to Dubai and the weeks are flying past. Whereas when I'm traveling by myself, I really get to immerse myself in that place, in the moment, and it slows down time. So the biggest one is just by being open-minded. The second way you can change your mindset through travel is by stepping out your comfort zone and taking risks. I think solo female travel is stepping out your comfort zone anyway, to be honest. And that means trying something that you might have never thought you would do. For example, doing a bungee jump, climbing a glacier, diving with sharks, just jumping on that opportunity as it arises. You might get to Mexico and it might be the season for the whale shark migration and you have the opportunity to do that and so again it's all about just being in the moment and stepping out your comfort zone and just going for it and I think that's the empowering part is figuring it all out for yourself and pushing your own boundaries. I also think that solo travel helps to reduce stress well travel in general does anyway but solo travel also can give you a new perspective on your life if you are open to it. It gives you so much reflection time it 
allows you the chance to really get in tune with yourself and think, okay, is this what I really want in my life? Am I happy with what I've created for my life so far? Or do I need to change things? And you never know who you're going to meet. So it's all about enjoying the serendipities and the coincidences, even though I believe there's no such thing as coincidence, of meeting strangers. You might meet somebody on a bus for a fleeting hour and they share a sentence of wisdom with you that might change the course of your life. What is your favourite country and why? This is such a tough one and this is probably the first question that everyone asks me when I say that I'm a travel blogger. I seriously have so many favourite countries. Obviously Dubai, which is a city in the Emirates because I've chosen to move here. In Asia, Cambodia is one of my favourites and for me it's the people in the destination. It's either breathtaking nature or the people that really make a destination for me. And the people in Cambodia, they just seem so humble and so happy after such a horrible history with the Pol Pot regime, which actually took place in the year that I was born. And I just think to come out of something so brutal and be happy with the little that they have is really humbling. I also really love Bosnia for a similar reason. And I love to learn about the history when I get to a destination. And Bosnia was such a moving country for me. And learning about the resilience of the people just really made me appreciate the country even more. For nature, my favourite has to be Wadi Rum in Jordan. It's amazing. It's so peaceful and so stunning. The desert is just my favourite landscape ever. And on the topic of landscapes, Bolivia has some of the most spectacular landscapes. It has red lakes, volcanic landscapes, Green Lake. If you ever get the chance to go to Bolivia and do a four-wheel drive, it's fantastic. I also really love Nicaragua for the volcanoes. And the Bay of Couture in Montenegro is just absolutely beautiful as well. And then my final one, see I have so many different favourites, my final one is Madeira, which is a Portuguese island. As soon as I arrived on this island, it just felt like I'd stepped into a completely different reality. It was so magical and I ended up spending a month there instead of two weeks. What are my three must-have travel essentials? Definitely a universal plug because I generally go to more than one country at a time. It saves me taking a whole load of adapters with me. Second one is obviously my laptop because I work when I'm on the road. Third one, earplugs. I'm such a light sleeper that earplugs have just been a godsend. Whether I've been sharing a dorm room or sleeping on an overnight train or bus, just drowning out the noise. I would not be without earplugs. Are there any destinations still on my bucket list? I like to call a bucket list a travel wish list. I think that just sounds nicer. And I've been very lucky to have gone to all the places that I've listed on my travel wish list. But it is my goal to see every single country in the world in my lifetime. And according to the UN, I think there were 195 countries. And I'm on 141 at the moment, so I've still got quite a few to go to. And some of them are out of bounds. 
I'm hoping that in a decade or two, they might be safe enough for me to visit. One place that I would like to visit, even though it freaks me out because I'm a bit scared of tribes, is Papua New Guinea because it's just so well known for its indigenous tribes. I would also love to visit Myanmar for the Buddhist temples of Bagan. And I was really lucky to go to Easter Island when I was in Santiago. It was a six hour flight and Easter Island had been on my travel wish list for years. And it was such a pinch myself moment when I was there. Can I recommend any tourist traps to avoid? Oh, the, the worst scam or tourist trap that I've experienced in, in a majority of countries are taxi scams. Especially if you're a bit jet lagged and you've had an overnight flight and you arrive at the airport and somebody is shouting, taxi, taxi, to get my attention. In my experience, they are the ones that have overcharged me, even if they are a licensed cab driver. If you get in a taxi, make sure that you ask how much it's going to be up front or ask them to put the meter on. And one of the biggest taxi scams that a couple of places I've been to have said, taxi drivers would tell me that the hostel has burnt down or it's closed. Or as a natural fact, it hasn't. And they just want to take me to their cousin's hostel or their cousin's hotel. That's why now I actually pre-book an airport transfer, depending on what country I'm going to. So the accommodation that I'm planning to stay in for at least the first night, I advise booking that and then asking them to arrange a transfer from the airport. Generally getting back to the airport, I would take public transport, but I now treat myself to an airport transfer when I've arrived somewhere. Next question, how did I start in terms of choosing destinations? Did I build up from familiar and easy destinations or did I just throw a dart on a map? I think I probably started with the easiest countries. I mean, I've been doing it since I was 21 and I'm now 46. I've been doing it on and off. Definitely, I've done it a lot more in the last 10 years because I've been more nomadic. When I first started, my first destination solo was Australia. And then I did Southeast Asia, which is also very easy as a first time traveler. I kind of did all the backpacking destinations back then, New Zealand, Fiji. And then it was just a case of what opportunities arose and when. So I did Central America after that, and then South America, a bit of North America, Europe. But different regions in Europe do offer slightly different challenges. So Western Europe is obviously a lot easier than, say, the Balkans, for example. So I think I probably just started not with a strategy, but I probably started with the easy destinations because that was just what I chose back then. Now, the way that I choose my destinations, I go into Skyscanner and I put in the destination that I'm in or that I want to fly from and then use their everywhere function. Then I have a look down the list and see which destination I haven't been to and which is the cheapest. And then I work out how easy it is to get a visa. Because I've been lucky enough to have traveled to a lot of different places, now the countries that I have left that I want to travel to can be a little bit harder in regards to visas so I do need a little bit more planning but generally I'm quite last minute and I just have a look on Skyscanner, see where I haven't been to and just go for it and I don't normally plan at the time of year to travel anywhere it's always kind of worked out that I've been traveling on a shoulder season which is either the spring or 
the autumn, and I also visit some destinations in the winter as well. There is no set plan for, for really how I plan my trips. How do you deal with overworried parents? This is a great question because I think if you're in your 20s or if you're just starting traveling alone, it can be very challenging to deflect other people's fear. And I think that comes from parents. That can also come from friends, especially from people who haven't been to the destinations that you want to go to. They have probably only seen or heard things about that destination from the media, as I mentioned before. And then they project that fear onto you. But I think especially when it's parents, it's natural for them to feel protective of you. My parents definitely did. When I was younger, I think because I've been doing it so long now, they're just used to it. It's just who I am and it's the way that I decide to to live my life. And if someone tells me not to do something, unless obviously that's very dangerous, then I tend to want to prove them wrong anyway. But it's very hard to break away from that expectation and worry from a parent when you're first starting traveling solo. My advice is to Either get them to join the Girls About the Globe Facebook community. We've had a couple of mums join and they said that they've joined because their daughter's going travelling and they wanted to get some reassurance and find out exactly what it's really like. Again, I think it's the unknown for parents. It's not really knowing. So today with social media and Facebook groups, you can just get your parents to join a Facebook group or show them that other people have travelled to the destination that you're travelling to. Something else that has helped with my parents in the past is creating an itinerary. So even if I'm not too sure I'm going, I've created a rough itinerary of where I'm staying or the tour company details or a contact number. And I've given them a copy of my spreadsheet and said, right, these are where I'm going to be. This is where I'm going to be. This is what I'm going to be doing. And then I've promised to keep in touch with them as much as I can. I think as long as you're trying to keep in touch with them, then it's reassurance for them. Or you could start with the easiest countries first, just to build up that confidence for your parents and just say, look, so many women travel to Australia by themselves. I'm just going to Australia first, you know, just to get them used to you solo traveling. And then you can build up to more challenging countries. When I told my parents I was going to Lebanon, I did receive a lot of resistance. But then when I showed pictures of what Lebanon was really like, people were really surprised. I think they have this misconception of what a destination is like. So educate them and get them involved in your travel planning. That's my advice for parents. Next one, I would love to hear how you form a routine while traveling. It's something that I struggle with. This was something that I struggled with for a long time as well. Being a digital nomad for for seven years on and off, apart from during the pandemic, obviously. At the beginning, I think I was generally all over the place, um, both geographically and productive-wise. I think anyway, when you remote work, even if you're working from one destination and you're not traveling around, it takes a lot of discipline and a lot of motivation. And you really have to set yourself targets and goals and say, right, this day is the day that I'm going to be working. This is the day that I'm going to be sightseeing. 
I've actually found that when I only have, for example, three or four hours a day to do some writing or to work on Girl About the Globe, when I'm not sightseeing or traveling, I'm generally more focused because that short amount of time is my focus time. Whereas if I wake up and I have the whole day and the whole evening to work, I can procrastinate a little bit more. So I actually can get a lot more done when I'm traveling, which sounds very ironic. So I would just make a list of everything that you want to do, put it in priority order. And then next time you have a two hour window, just go ahead and do the first task. Traveling around also does help me with this because if I'm on a plane or if I'm on a bus and I don't have Wi-Fi, then I allocate that time. And I think, right, okay, this is my writing time because I can't get onto Wi-Fi. So all I can do is just do some creative writing during that time or edit some photos, or whatever I can do without the internet. I think it's like strengthening a muscle and building a muscle, and it just is all about planning. But also make sure that you include some rest days, because traveling and working while you travel can be exhausting. Something else that's helped me is virtual co-working. So on the days when I'm struggling with motivation is to Zoom a friend who also works by herself, And then we just do some virtual co-working together. And then we say at the beginning of the session, okay, what do you want to achieve in the next 50 minutes? And that really, really helps with discipline. What is your favorite wonder of the world and why? I've seen all of the seven wonders of the world, which is amazing. I trekked the Great Wall of China for charity and I really loved it. Each section of the wall was really different and it was such a good experience. So The Great Wall of China is definitely, definitely up there. But if I had to pick one, it would be Machu Picchu in Peru because it's such an iconic destination. And I can't explain the feeling that I had when I was standing there just looking at the ruins with the mountain backdrop, which is the iconic image that you you see in magazines and websites. It's just absolutely magical. Do I have any advice for people that are potentially nervous about traveling alone? Yes. Know that I still get nervous before I solo travel. It's normal. It's really so normal. I think the worst part is the build up when you just start thinking, what am I doing? All those negative thoughts come in. What if I don't meet anyone? What if something happens to me? And it's just your mind trying to keep you safe. I think when you do have those doubts, It can be very hard to get excited about your trip, but feeling nervous is perfectly normal. So I would talk to other people. I would, again, in reference to our Girls About the Globe Facebook group, just post it in there. And then you get so much support and you realise how normal it is about being nervous about travelling alone. Sometimes it can be very overwhelming as well. I still get very overwhelmed when I'm planning a big trip. So my advice is to break it down into lots of little ones And then it becomes manageable and not as daunting. Planning definitely help keeps the nerves away. I think most of the fear when you travel solo is of the unknown and not knowing what's going to happen. So if you can plan and find out as much as you can before you go, you will feel more in control of your trip. And just because you start your trip alone doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be alone all the time. It's so easy to meet others, as I say. And as soon as you've done it once, honestly, you will be addicted to solo traveling. 
Okay, so two more questions. What inspires me? What inspires me to solo travel is seeing different cultures, learning about the world, getting an education that you just don't get from the internet or from textbooks. I love interacting with local people when I travel. I love learning about the culture. I love being open and having new experiences and not really knowing what's going to happen next. That is what inspires me. And in regards to people who inspire me, it's people who have changed their life or people who have overcome adversity to create the life that they want. I think as a woman nowadays, there's so much pressure on having a partner or a husband or living the way that society expects you to live. For me, opting out of that was the biggest challenge, more challenging than solo traveling. Other people's expectations of where you should be in certain stages of your life. I think when you're in your 20s, it's acceptable to travel. I think once you pass 30, it can be a bit frowned upon. And if other people don't understand why you're traveling or why you're still single or why you choose to travel alone, it can be difficult to not listen to their judgment and their expectations and just go off and do it yourself. People who inspire me are people who have just created the life that they want And final one, what is a quote that I live by? It's no regrets. I've had this quote since I've been in my early 20s. And I do believe that everything you have experienced makes you who you are today. I would not be this person if I hadn't have broken free from society, if I hadn't have created my own path in life, started my own business, met the most amazing people on my travels and just created a life that is right for me. So if I can leave this 100th podcast episode with one piece of advice, it is to not listen to anyone else, to live your life for you, to do what feels right for you. You're not going to make everybody happy. If you want to solo travel, go and do it. Thank you so much for listening. This is the last podcast episode of 2022. And I wish you an amazing festive season, wherever you are. If you're feeling weird about being solo in the Christmas period, then just remember that everything is temporary and it's only one or two days of the year. And I'll be back in 2023. I can't believe I'm saying 2023 this year. It's just completely flown past. One thing that it's taught me is that life is too short and you really need to go and do whatever you want to do. So I will see you in 2023. In the meantime, safe travels. Thanks for listening to our Girl About the Globe podcast, making solo travel easier for you. Find everything that you need for your solo travels at girlaboutheglobe.com and don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode.